Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. A glorious Father, we pray that your hand would be ready to help us this very morning, for we need your help. Lord, lead us through your word that we would long to see your salvation and hope written upon our hearts. Lord, that Your Word would become our delight. That our souls would live and praise for You. And that Your rules would help us to walk this pilgrim walk. Lord, as we have all gone astray as lost sheep, we pray that You would seek and find us. That we would not forget Your commandments. We pray Your blessing upon this time. Your work through the Spirit within all of our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 23 from the Christian Standard Bible. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. A Davidic Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. I love the Pilgrim's Progress. I don't dabble in a lot of uh, fiction novels, but here I love the Pilgrim's Progress. I return to it quite frequently. Written by John Bunyan, one of the most popular selling books of all time. And I love this novel for many different reasons. How it speaks of the the realities of the Christian life, the, the ups and the downs. But one of the great reasons that I love this book is right at the start of the novel. Where it all changes. Everything at one point changes. A Christian feels his sense of guilt because of his sin, this burden that is upon his back. He knows of this burden. He knows because he has read the Word, he knows of what this burden has done to him and how there is no hope for him in the city of destruction. You might say at that point, he becomes a pilgrim. He does not belong in this city. He is a foreigner in the city of destruction. He knows all of this, and yet there is one thing that he does not know. He is convicted of his sin, but then in steps the evangelist. And the evangelist comes in and and hears of his pain and his sorrow, of this burden that's upon his back. And this little pilgrim does not know what to do. And here is the, the, the turning point of the whole story. Where a pilgrim starts a journey, and it starts with a question from evangelist. And he asks uh, this simple question, which begins the whole story. 
if this is thy condition, why standest thou still? If you have this burden upon your back, why are you still standing here? It is not going anywhere. Christian then seeks, well, where do I go? Where do I turn? An evangelist tells him where he needs to go. He tells him the next steps on his journey to begin his progress. The purpose of the goal, the burden is not it. There is more. He's not just a pilgrim. He's a pilgrim that makes progress. An evangelist says, keep that light in your eye and go directly there too. Thou shalt see the gate at which when thou knockest, it shall be told thee where thou shalt do what thou shalt do. He's given direction and purpose as he sees the end goal of where he needs to go. The wicked gate. And then after he gets to the wicked gate, then he'll get further instructions. I love this because it shows that the journey of a Christian, that a Christianity and becoming a Christian is not a moment in time. It's the beginning of a journey. A journey in which we all seek to be able to walk on this path. This great journey, this pilgrimage. And throughout Pilgrim's journey, he's given many instructions, many signs that the king has left. Helpers that the king has given to be able to help his little pilgrims along the path. All that they might be able to go and make it to the celestial city. Christian will, will come to points where he, he seeks to be able to maybe stay there forever. He loves his time in the interpreter's house. He loves the time with the shepherds. But they are but just way stations on his journey. There's somewhere better he needs to go because he wants to be with the king and the king's son. How different that is from the message of today. Be who you want to be. Think about yourself. You need to be strong and dependent. You've got to make your own goals and stick to them. However, Psalm 23 actually teaches us those who, who follow their own way are actually wandering and lost. There's a famous saying from uh, Gandalf in uh, The Lord of the Rings that you might have seen it on bumper stickers that says, not all who wander are lost. It's a nice poetic way to say that, you know, there's many journeys you can take. But those who wander in the Bible are lost. They don't have a home. And thus, we turn to today's short little sentence, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Firstly, that He leads me. Shepherd walks in front of their sheep. And the sheep follows that shepherd. The beginning of John 10 paints the picture of this shepherd coming to this gate and calling his sheep out. And during this time, you would drop your sheep off at this big pen where many people would watch the sheep overnight as the shepherd would be able to go home and have some rest. And he'd come and all these sheep would be in the pen and it would come and then start calling his sheep. 
through the door. John 10 begins in verse 2, But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls the sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. We have in John 10 this great passage. We don't have a large amount of time to be able to unpack it, but I want to point out one simple thing. The, shepherd, the sheep follow the shepherd because of his voice. They don't follow a stranger's voice, they follow the shepherd's voice. They don't know the stranger, so therefore they don't follow the stranger. But they follow the shepherd's voice. And the shepherd leads them out as they follow him. You could say that later in John 10, verse 27, summarizes this section quite succinctly. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Martin Luther says that I know not way God leads me, but well do I know my guide. He doesn't know, the sheep don't know where they're going that day. But they know one thing, they know the shepherd's voice. And they know that if they follow the shepherd's voice, the shepherd will lead them. And we can get focused on the paths of righteousness. Spend some time there. But we need to understand that this all begins with that statement, He, He leads me. The Lord, my shepherd, leads me. Legalism says there is a path. They add to, take away what that path is according to the Scriptures. Normally they say this is what Scripture teaches and it's a very narrow path in in a wrong sense of narrow. Licentiousness, which says it doesn't matter what you do, says there is no path, it doesn't matter where you go. But Christianity says the Lord is my shepherd. I know Him and I follow Him. I know He is good. I know He is the great shepherd. I follow the path in which God has laid before us. Martin Luther, that quote I read before, actually continues. He says, I know not the way He leads me, but well I know my guide. For what have I to fear? That if we understand that it is He, the Lord is my shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down the life for His sheep, who, who knows all that we need, then we follow Him. The good shepherd leads the way. Now before we get to where He leads us, we must seriously ponder this in our own lives. Do we follow the shepherd? Do we know His voice? Can we separate the voice of that stranger who comes to steal, kill, and destroy from the Good Shepherd? Which voice do we follow? The truth is that if we understand this psalm, it says that we are all sheep whether we like it or not. The question is, who is our shepherd? 
Are we a sheep that thinks we need no shepherd? Are we a sheep that follows the wrong shepherd, thinking that they're going to give us joy and happiness in this life? But all they're doing is looking after themselves? The question then needs to be asked, who are we following? John Stevenson points out it's not only the shepherd who leads, but the sheep who follow. The expression of the psalmist, he leadeth me, evidently implies not only the precedence of the guidance of the shepherd, but likewise the obedient following of the sheep. All the flock of the good shepherd are made willing, are willing to be led. The sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they follow me. So where does he then lead us? In the paths of righteousness. The psalmist doesn't just stop there and just say, he leads me. But he, he tells us exactly where he leads us to. The shepherd, the good shepherd, leads his sheep. In paths of righteousness. Christian in Pilgrim's Progress is to walk on the king's way. Now he does not always do this. There's often times when there's a green meadow, bypass meadow, he seeks to be able to avert the king's way. And I'm sure you've heard this before. The world teaches us it doesn't matter what way you take, what path you walk. As long as we all end up in the same place. The key then is not the path, it's the person on the path. How does this path make you feel? As long as you are happy walking on any path, then you are in the spot that you need to be. How opposite is for that of a Christian. The shepherd leads his sheep down the paths of righteousness. And I think that the order in which we're given Psalm 23 is not just that the words are divinely inspired, but the order of the words are divinely inspired as well. That it all begins with that, the Lord is my shepherd. If you want to understand everything else in Psalm 23, you need to understand that point. If you understand that point, you understand that you will lack for nothing. That He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our souls. And then once our souls are restored, then we are led on the paths of righteousness. That the Good Shepherd leads the way. The author of Proverbs is is a collection of writings of this father giving instruction to his son. And the loving father tells his son in Proverbs chapter 4, Hear my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run... You will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. 
Do not enter the path of the wicked. And do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. And they are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. For the path of righteousness, righteous, righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the full of day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over. They do not know over what they stumble. His advice to his son as he begins to instruct his son is stay on the path of righteousness. Do not go down the path of wickedness. Stay on that narrow path. Don't go down the path of the wicked. But as, as we read this, the, the, the righteous path seems pleasant. You will step and not be hampered. You will not be stumbling. It's filled with light that gets brighter and brighter as you continue on that path. The wicked path seems like a horrific journey. You're stumbling and falling, not knowing what you're stumbling over. You're robbed. You're surrounded by violence. You're in utter darkness. But then why this instruction? Why then the instruction to avoid the wicked path? Because often, it's the wicked path that seems so right to us. It's the wicked path that seems filled with joy and happiness and pleasure, whatever it might be. Why then do we do the opposite? This is exactly what the world does. As you begin to study God's Word, you see a complete complete disconnection between how the world defines things and how the Word defines things. The world will say, this is good. This is for your good. This is for the good of your children. This is for the good of society. God's Word says, this is not good. This is not just not good. It is evil. And so too, when... When the Word says, this is good. This is good for you. This is good for your family. This is good for society. And the world says, no. That, you, you, that is evil. How opposite. Not just in the world, but within our hearts. None of us would say, yes, let's walk down the wicked path together. Let's stumble and fall. Let's walk into violence and get robbed. But yeah, how often we do that in our own lives. Again, we need to ask those heart-probing questions. Do we want to follow the Lord down those paths? Or are we happy to walk in the wicked way? To what extent are we willing to walk down that path of righteousness? What happens if we lose all our friends? What happens if we're mocked and laughed at? 
What happens if we lose our job? Our money? Who are we going to be guided by? The Word or the world? But we see at the conclusion of this line, we understand why the Lord does this. That He leads us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, this is an interesting line in this psalm because we don't really get a lot of the reasoning behind why He does things in this psalm. We find out that we will not want anything. We find out we're in green pastures, by still waters. He restores our souls. But why does He lead us down the paths of righteousness? And I think this is the most challenging part of this line of the psalm. That it is for His name's sake. We are not led down the path of righteousness for our name's sake. Although, we know the shepherd knows us and knows what is best for us, then He will lead us. What is the best for us? We are not led down this path for our own happiness, pleasures, desires. We are led down this path for His name's sake. Just think about this for a moment, about any person in the Bible. Often when they have this conversion experience or God speaks with them in some manner, their life changes drastically. Their life changes and they're led down a path of righteousness, whatever you might want to call it. But as this journey progresses, it's not necessarily the most easy path. Noah has to build an ark. While everyone else is looking. Abraham has no land of his own. All he has is this promise is to hold on to. There's tension in his family. Jacob, he goes, leaves in Padam, Iran, and that is not a joyous time in his life. Joseph needs to go to Egypt. Moses lives and Midian for a long time. And even after the people of Israel are freed, they're, they're wandering in the wilderness. But that's the frequent image that you see, is that even after they're freed and restored, this period of time in which God is leading them, that they're wandering in the wilderness. Think about that one specifically. They're, they're wandering in the wilderness. And the Lord is leading them for 40 years in the desert. His concern while they're in the desert, as He watches them, as they need nothing, they lack for nothing. He provides all that they need. Care, protection, food. But His ultimate concern is not whether they're happy. We actually know that they're not happy. They're actually grumbling and complaining all the time. But he does this that they might be 
he might be glorified. Numbers 14, we hear the story about the people's rebellion against Moses and the Lord. They want to go back to Egypt. Egypt is so much better than wandering in the wilderness. And they end up crying out, let us choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. And they get ready to stone Aaron and Moses. Aaron and Moses have led them out, parted the Red Sea. They've seen all the signs and wonders God has done. They're like, let's stone Moses and Aaron. Then God appears in the tent of meeting and explains that He would wipe them all out and start again with Moses. Moses intercedes for the people, and when Moses intercedes for his people, his argument is based on one central point and one central point alone. Moses says in Numbers 14, verses 15 to 16, Now if you kill this people as one man, when the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring his, this people into the land that he swore to give them. And he has killed them in the wilderness. Moses goes into the tent of meeting interceding for the people of God. And he doesn't begin by saying, well, they, they haven't been that bad. They've actually been pretty good. They haven't grumbled and complained a lot. They offered the right sacrifices. He didn't try and come up with excuses for their behavior. He didn't bring up anything about the people of God. His argument was, do not wipe these people out for your name's sake. Ezekiel summarizes this in Ezekiel chapter 20. God acted for my name's sake, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. The Lord had led them out of slavery, led them into the wilderness, wandering for 40 years. And His concern and the reason He does this is for the, that His glory might be seen through all the whole world. Again, later in, in the, earlier in that verse, in verse 9 in Ezekiel chapter 20, that I, God, acted for My name that it should be not profaned in the sight of the nations whom they lived. In the sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Why did God make them wander in that wilderness for 40 years? It's for His name's sake. Again, under Joshua, continuing the Israelites in battle of Ai. They were defeated, and Joshua went before the Lord on behalf of the people of Israel, and he asked God, for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and will surround us and cut us off, cut our name off from the earth. And what will it do for your great name? His plea, again, is not based on the Israelites. They're all sinners. But in God's name, in His name. I mean, you could go through the Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 12. For the Lord would not forsake His people for His great name. sake, Because it pleased the Lord to make you a people for yourself. Matthew Poole says this of Psalm 23. Not of any worth in me, 
but merely for the demonstration and the glory of His justice and faithfulness and goodness. John Calvin puts it this way, and certainly His choosing us to be His sheep and His performing towards us all the offices of a shepherd is a blessing which proceeds entirely from His free and sovereign goodness. We often don't want to walk down the paths of righteousness. We don't want to walk down that wandering of the wilderness time. But when we begin to see that the Lord, our shepherd, leads us in the paths of righteousness, not for pleasure, not for happiness, not even on ourselves, but the focus turns to God and His glory, His name. We realize there will be time where He leads us by green green pastures and still waters. But there are also times where He leads us down the darkest valley, down the shadow of death. But the key is that all of it is God's leading. Finish with this story. On a Wednesday evening, Joseph Gilmore was preaching in a midweek prayer service. His passage was on Psalm 23. He wrote later that I set out to give the people an exposition of the whole 23rd Psalm. But I got no further than the words, He leadeth me. Those words took hold of him as they have never done before. I saw in them significance and beauty which I had never dreamed. At the close of the meeting, a few of us kept on talking about the thoughts which I had emphasized. And then there, then and there, on a back page of my sermon notes, I penciled the hymn, just as it stands today. I handed it to my wife and thought no more of it. She then sent it without my knowledge to the Watchman and the Reflector magazine. And there was first appeared in print in December 4th, 1862. That hymn we sing quite often, He leadeth me. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words which heavenly comfort thought. Whatever I do, wherever I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometime mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom, by waters calm or troubled sea, Still, is God's hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would clasp Thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur or repine, content whatever lot I see, since tis my God that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by Thy grace the victory is won, even's death cold wave, I will not flee. Since God through Jordan leadeth me. Christian life is not a moment in time, but the beginning of a great journey. A great journey filled with many highs and lows. We might not know where we are going. We might not know the path in which is before us. But it is the Lord, the Good Shepherd, who leads us as we know Him and we follow Him. 
It is the Good Shepherd who leads us down the paths of righteousness, not down the ways of the wicked. But ultimately, He leads us down this path, not for our own good, although it is, not the ultimate goal of our pleasure or happiness, but He leads us down the paths of righteousness for His namesake. That all glory and honor may be given to Him. And we praise God that He still leads us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give You thanks and praise. That You are the One that leads us. Whatever our life may be, Lord, whether we walk through the deepest gloom or where the Eden's flowers bloom, whether it by waters calm or the troubled sea, Lord, that You would lead us all. Help us to walk on the path in which You have set before us, trusting in You and Your sovereign hand as You lead and follow us. Forgive us when we have walked down the wicked way, when we have thought, We do not need a shepherd to guide us anymore. Forgive us when we have thought that we know better than You. But we pray that You would lead us all down the paths of righteousness for Your name's sake. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.